Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed restructuring, and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, December 13th. I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, I will talk with Deputy Editor Aurelia Seidenhofer about the latest developments on the German real estate company Adler. Reporter Declan Bush will then talk to us about spandex producer Lycra, which looks set to pursue an amend and extend of its debt maturities. Reporter Farouk Balach will then join us to discuss UK high street retailer Metrobank, which was recently fined by the FCA. Finally, reporter Beatrice Mavrolian will talk us through the highlights in the primary market this week. But first, a list of upcoming deadlines, meetings, hearings and announcements connected with the EMEA and CMEA credits this week. The deadline for Gazprom's consent solicitation is set for tomorrow, December 14th. The Russian state-owned gas group adjourned bondholder meetings for its Series 12, 29 and 48 notes to December 16th after it failed to meet the requirement quorums for its previous consent solicitations on December 2nd. Two minority shareholders of Norwegian offshore supply company DOF, Bjorta Bromo and Sands Invest AS are pushing ahead with their plan to replace the company's board, despite management filing for a Norwegian restructuring process. The shareholders have proposed five board candidates whose shareholders will vote on tomorrow, December 14th. Meanwhile, international power generator Cantor Global said it has satisfied the conditions of its acquisition by KKR via a scheme of arrangement and will appear for a sanction hearing before the English High Court on December 16th. The full downloadable calendar for the week ahead in Europe is available on reorg.com. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience, so please take a moment to complete a short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Hello, Aurelia. For the German real estate company Adler, uh, bondholders will be able to vote on the consent solicitations the company has published uh, from this Saturday. But I have seen that there is now a group of bondholders opposing the deal. Can you tell us a little bit more about the situation and why some bondholders are not happy with, with the deal? Hi, Andrew. Yes, so as many listeners will probably know, Adler announced an agreement with a group of Adler Group bondholders. This is important because there's two different kinds of bondholders, Adler Group and Adler Real Estate. And these guys represent about 45% of the outstanding bonds, excluding the convertible. And under this agreement, the company will receive almost 1 billion in new money, which will be used together with cash on balance sheet to repay a lot of the shorter dated maturities, including the repayment of Adler real estate level bonds. So additionally, the non-convertible Adler group notes that I talked about earlier will be primed by new and existing debt. And according to the new intercreditor agreement, when we look at that, the ranking of that will be as follows. So there will be the new money, then there will be the 400 million Adler group notes due 2024, and then the convertible bonds and the Schulzschein, so they, they together rank second, and then the rest will be third. So you can see that the rest of the bonds getting primed by these other guys. So for the longer dated bonds, this doesn't appear to be a great deal because by the time their maturity comes around as late as 2029, a lot of cash will have been spent repaying shorter dated debt, which is at the moment pari passu, 
and the company will have probably sold a lot of its higher quality assets. So there is an elevated risk that the longer that the bonds end up in a structure where the high quality assets are gone, the cash has been used to repay other bonds ahead of them, and they may have to get restructured further down the line. Okay, I, I can see why some holders might not be very satisfied with this deal. Can you tell me a bit more about what the group is doing at the moment to prevent uh, the deal really from being implemented? Yeah, so this opposing group is led by SVP and represents more than 34% of the 800 million bond due 2029. And this group has mandated law firms Aiken Gump and Gleiser Lutz to advise them. But now to the crucial question here, what can they actually do in terms of derailing this deal? In order to implement the deal via the consent solicitations we mentioned earlier, the company needs 75% by value of the voting bonds for each bond, this is very important, to agree. So at the moment, it looks like unless some of the holders of the 2029 bond change their mind, um, the consent solicitation for the 2029 bond will fail. Okay, and where do we stand on the other bonds and could the company implement the deal via alternative routes? Yes, so a quick where we stand survey. Um, so currently 60% of the Adler Group bondholders have acceded to the lockup agreement and three of the six bonds where the consent solicitations take place have passed the 75% threshold for the consent solicitation. So if the company is not able to get past the hurdle of getting all the bonds to agree to the consent solicitation by the deadline on December 19th, the company already said it will look to implement the deal via alternative implementation methods. And uh, they are particularly looking at methods um, featuring a cross-class cramdown, like a UK restructuring plan or a German restructuring route, the Starrook. And in these cases, they would have to get to 75% by value in each class, and then they could cram down a dissenting class. So now the big question is, of course, what will these um, classes look like? Um, but that's a very difficult question to answer. But that's where we are in this situation. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Aurelia. Hi, Farouk. The Bank of England allowed Metro Bank to make an adjustment to its 2028 bonds so it could meet minimum capital requirement. Can you tell us uh, what adjustment they made and why it was needed in the first place? Sure. So I'll answer the second part of your question first. Um, Metro Bank is a UK-based high street lender and Bank of England requires lenders to maintain a minimum capital you know, to absorb any potential losses. Since Metro Bank was underperforming, there was a risk that it's, uh, you know, it could fall below the minimum threshold set by the central bank. So it needed to raise capital to meet the regulatory requirement for own funds and eligible liabilities or MREL. Now coming back to the first part of your question, uh, the Bank of England has allowed Metro Bank to make a temporary adjustment to its existing 2028 tier two notes. So it could meet the minimum requirement for MREL. See, the, uh, the adjustment permits the notes to count toward the holding company's MREL requirement until June 2025 and remain at the operating company level at the same time. This means that it can meet its MREL requirement without the need to move the 2028 notes to the holding company, a process that might have required them you know, to take 
bondholders consent so these notes have a one-time call date of june 26 2023 which is also the deadline to establish the holding company but metro bank has said that uh, it doesn't expect to exercise the call provision because of the adjustment thanks um so you've explained the adjustment and why they were needed but can you tell us why things got to a point where metro bank essentially had to do a capital increase Sure, as uh, mentioned in one of our past reports, uh, Metro Bank landed in trouble after the regulator found accounting errors relating to risk weighting of some of its assets in 2018. The lender had to increase its risk weighted assets by 900 million pounds, but it was not holding enough capital, which raised concerns about its financial health, especially in an economic downturn. Um, last December, the regulator imposed a fine of 5.4 million pounds on Metro Bank. Reasons include failure to act with due skill, care and diligence in reporting its capital position and shortcomings in its governance and controls uh, between May 2016 and January 2019. Just yesterday, the, the bank was slapped with another 10 million pounds in fine, this time by the Financial Conduct Authority uh, for breaching listing rules by publishing incorrect information about its risk-weighted assets in 2018. The bank has been reporting annual losses 20, since 2019. Um, and as we speak, Metro Bank's 2028 and 2025 notes are in the mid-50s and high-70s, respectively, because of an underperformance and regulatory issues we have already talked about. Thank you very much, Farouk. Hi, Declan. Lycra, the famous maker of stretchy fabrics, enjoyed a bumper pandemic as customers embraced life in yoga pants but now faces slumping demand and near-term debt maturities. Declan, you've been covering the company. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So what's gone, what's gone wrong with Lycra? So in a nutshell, Lycra has a $100 million RCF due in February next year, and then 250 million euros of notes due in May. Uh, last week, the company said it is still exploring all options for the refinancing. Uh, sources say the company is far from a deal and time is running out. And, and why are they having trouble refinancing? Well, Lycra boomed during the pandemic, but the market has gotten a lot tougher since then. They have an inventory glut of 30 to 40 percent. China's zero COVID policies cause problems, plus they have higher energy costs to deal with. Uh, Lycra also warned of falling demand from customers in the West because of high inflation and fears of a recession, all that consumer discretionary stuff. Uh, their adjusted EBITDA fell 72% year-on-year in Q3. Uh, the company's warned of tougher trading ahead. Uh, and their Q4 numbers probably won't be out until around April, which means any potential buyers or new money investors have to go by these results, which aren't very encouraging. So how optimistic is the market? Well, your outlook on Lycra seems to depend on whether you think branded Lycra spandex is better than cheaper generic spandex and whether customers will pay a premium for the Lycra name. So supporters say part of the drop in earnings can be explained by accounting measures and that they don't yet reflect recent falls in input costs. Um, supporters also like Lycra's track record in R&D and they say it's still a relatively small part of the price of a pair of expensive yoga pants so brands will keep using it. But on the other hand, critics argue that the capex is very low, their factories are small and underinvested, they have lots of cheaper competition, and customers will cut back on spending in the future on exactly this type of stuff. Um, Lycra was taken over by a group of investment firms based in Hong Kong and South Korea earlier this year after the old owner defaulted on a mezzanine loan. Uh, and there are concerns about whether they can, these new owners can or will put in new money. So sources still think Lycra will amend and extend the debt, but they're not out of the woods yet. 
Okay, thanks, Stefan. And now a roundup of the key highlights in the primary market this week with reporter Beatrice Mavrolian. Over the last week, issuers continue to take advantage of a constructive tone in the primary market to refinance maturities coming up over the next few years. Swedish credit management company Intram priced 450 million senior fixed rate notes due in 2028 to yield 10%. Proceeds of the notes will be used to partially refinance the company's 3.125%. 2024 notes. Spanish amusement park operator Parques Reunidos was marketing a 225 million term loan B3 to refinance its term loan B2 June 2026. Belgian human resources company House of HR launched a 300 million euro seven-year senior secured note to partly refinance the bridge facility drawn in connection with Bain Capital's acquisition of a majority stake in the company. The deal comes after the company delayed its 425 million euro senior secured fixed rate uh, note issuance, um, which is part of the debt package supporting Bain's acquisition in September. Underwriters were also keen to offload debt before the end of the year wherever possible. Gambling Group 888 Holdings priced a 182 million euro tap of its senior secured fixed rate notes due 2027 and 150 million euros of additional senior secured FRNs due in 2028. The company also priced a $75 million term loan B. Proceeds of the TAP and the term loan B will be used to fully refinance the uh, $347 sterling term loan A, which was drawn to redeem a portion of the William Hill 2026 bonds. 888 Holdings acquired peer William Hill International in July. The debt raised to support the deal included a $400 million uh, equivalent euro-denominated term loan A facility and a sterling-denominated term loan A that is now being refinanced. The term loan A's were at the time held and funded by one or more of the debt underwriters. Customer experience outsourcing group Kronosnet raised a 95 million euro fungible term loan B add-on to partly repay a 400 million euro term loan A, which was issued in September alongside a term loan B to fund the acquisition of Comdata and Connector, which merged to create Kronosnet. A couple of private placements priced last week demonstrated that for some issuers, bringing new debt to the primary market still seemed challenging. Laboratory testing provider Serba Healthcare privately placed a 220 million euro term loan D, and Danish hosting provider Team Blue privately placed a 60 million euro 2028 fungible term loan B add-on. Maturity extensions continued as Luxembourg-based communications company Altice International extended 1.7 billion euro equivalent of its 2025 and 2026 term loan maturities to, to October 27. The, the company also raised a 400 million equivalent um, of new term loans following excess demand. Spain-based road logistics company Prima Frio was also marketing a 525 million euro term loan B to support Apollo's acquisition of a stake in the company. And French specialty chemicals distributor Safik Alcan was marketing a 470 million euro seven-year senior secured term loan B to fund the purchase of Mitril SAS and repay existing debt. Before you go, let me tell you about Reorg's Credit Cloud, which gives you the ability to intuitively research, screen, analyze, and combine restructuring and leverage finance data in a fraction of the time it takes today. For more information and to request a trial, please contact sales at reorg.com. 
More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us again next year for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.